You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Hello, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey, and this is Episode 5 of the Wealth Formula Podcast. And this uh, podcast is really interesting. I think you're going to like it. It is an interview I did uh, with a gentleman by the name of Dennis Blitz of the IRA Club. Uh, And um, basically the IRA Club is uh, an organization that allows you to use your IRA to invest in things other than the stock market, money market, you know, the usual bank stuff. Um, It's really, really interesting. And I think uh, what's cool about it is that not only is it for investors, but it's also a great opportunity to learn about ways that you can raise money yourself. So anyway, without further ado, here is episode number five of the Wealth Formula podcast, and this is Buck Joffrey. So everybody, this is uh, Buck Joffrey here today, and I have got uh, a great guest for you today. It is... Dennis Blitz. Now, Dennis, uh, apart from having a very cool name, is a uh, is a gentleman who uh, runs something called the IRA Club. And uh, Dennis, tell us a little bit about the IRA Club. And thank you very much. And what the IRA Club is, very very simply, is it's an organization that sets up or establishes retirement accounts, be they IRA accounts or four hundred one k accounts that are uh, very, very liberal in what they'll allow the individual to invest in. You know, we all can have an IRA account at a, a major brokerage firm or a, or a 401k account at a major brokerage firm. But all you're allowed to invest in, if you have an account like that, uh, is the things offered by that firm. So it's a list of stocks, it's a list of mutual funds, it's a list of you know, bank CDs possibly or a money market fund. Uh, and that's it. Now you can move your money around in those equity positions all you like, but you're restricted to those common equity positions. However, some people want to put other things in their IRA. Uh, some people would like to put real estate in their IRA because they think that investment would be a better investment for their retirement planning than would uh, 500 shares of AT&T stock. There are companies called self-directed IRA companies that allow the individual to direct the investment they like. Uh, a lot of extra paperwork involved, a lot of extra setup involved, but that's what we do, and we allow people to invest in their IRA as they see fit. The only requirements basically are that everything that goes into an IRA or goes into the 401k that we establish be an investment. Uh, so can my IRA purchase a house uh, and earn rent on that house on a tax-deferred basis and then even sell the house at a profit and not pay any income tax? And the answer, of course, is yes, just like I could do with any stock. Can my IRA buy a house and then I move into the house? Then the answer becomes no because living in a house, it's no longer an investment. Now it's your residence. And so that's it. If you can make it an investment, if we can make it an investment, it can be fit in an IRA and we're happy to establish an account for that. That's very that that's great because you know the thing about it it's amazing to me is that uh, I think the majority of people in the country have no idea that they can invest anything other than what you know what the banks are offering. Now, why do you think that is? I mean, why is it? Why I mean, maybe uh, uh, this may not be your expertise, but I'm curious since you're in the field of, can you shed some light 
on why it is that it seems like the government generally uh, uh, advocates for you know the stock market and um, uh, because that's essentially what it's doing by by making these non-alternative like your you know your routine IRA investments uh, uh, all part of the stock market. Well, on this one point. I'm not actually going to blame the government nearly as much as you think I might, because it really isn't the government's fault. You know, the government established the IRA Act, uh, uh, the act that established the IRAs, was in October of 1974, and it became effective Jan 1 of 75. Uh, the act is pretty clear, and the act hasn't changed very, very much. Uh, what it said is you can invest for your future on a tax-deferred basis if you do so inside of a, a, a retirement trust, that retirement trust they called an individual retirement arrangement, uh, IRA. Now, that was what the government said, and, and, and they haven't really changed that position. So, so the rules have never really changed. What happened as a practical matter was when that act went into place, banks immediately realized the tremendous potential of people putting their money into a bank account and then leaving it there for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years in many, some cases, until retirement. Imagine holding somebody's money for 40 and 50 years if you're a bank. And so banks were very aggressive about advertising. And if you're an old guy like I am, you remember back in 1975 when IRAs came along and banks plastered all over their window free IRA account. Well, <laughs> of course, it was. They're going to sit on that money for forty years. They they loved that, and so the banks were the first to do it. Um, they really went in, into it with both both feet, so to speak. Uh, about a year later, the mutual fund industry caught on uh, that this was a great way to uh, invest in. You know, again, to get people to invest in their product and then stay put for so many years until retirement. And so, mutual fund companies poured a lot of money into marketing it. Other industries never really caught on, never really, you know, the real estate industry uh, would be, you know, the next obvious one, but the real estate industry never really caught on that, that people could do this. Uh, it really, I don't want to say missed the boat, but it sort of let the boat pass it by. And so Today, when you talk to a person about what can you put in your IRA, they'll tell you, oh, I can put mutual funds in there, and I can put stock in there, and uh, I can put uh, bank CDs in, and I can put um, money markets in there. And that's it. They sort of, you know, stop because no one has told them they can do any more. The government never... The government never said you couldn't do these things. The government never said you could. You know, the Internal Revenue Service is not really a very good marketing tool. Yeah, but the, there is a, is, isn't there a, uh, you know, when you when you invest outside of the typical stocks and money markets and all that, it's called a uh, alternative. It's called alternative asset only. Yeah, and, and the alternative asset is sort of a name that 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 was applied sort of later on. It, it was sort of a a, a waste of basket name because you know we you just didn't know what what to call those investments because what everybody was used to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, bank CDs, money markets. So everything else became the alternative, but really the alternative investments are very, very mainstream. As we said, real estate, uh, you know, I, I, my office is in Chicago, I'm in the Midwest, and so we see a lot of real estate, but we also see a lot of farmland, 
that that people will purchase and rent out uh, because we're in the Midwest. We see some. We don't get as much as our counterparts in Texas get uh, oil and gas exploration uh, investments. We get a lot of private placement investments. Um, we even at our office have. Uh, I'm sort of always impressed at how creative people are and still well, well, well within the regulations. Uh, one of my favorite is we have a couple of clients who have intellectual property in their IRA. In other words, their IRA is bought, uh, in, in these cases, music rights. And so, as you know, when the music is played on the radio or in some event, uh, somebody's collecting a royalty, and that royalty check uh, gets written to their IRA. That's pretty. That's that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So 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 this is interesting to me though because I always thought that and I, and I was blaming the government on this sh- on the show. I've actually blamed the government for this before. The the but the real issue is really that the banks create an, an infrastructure. Uh, is that right? And that everything else, uh, you know, you have to create an infrastructure through someone oh, yeah. like you. And that's sure. really what the main difference is. So the sure. real uh, issue is that a company like yours provides us an opportunity to invest in what we want to invest in potentially uh, and put it in our IRA. Uh, and it's just something that, you know, is just not very well known. Well, you know, I was going to say that that if you want to know what the brokerage firms are going to offer, what the bank's going to offer, I'm going to tell you it's always going to be the same thing. It's always going to be a something that either they make a commission on selling or commission on buying, or B they have a management fee on. One of those two things. If if if, if the item that goes into the IRA or 401k doesn't have one or two, one or both of those characteristics, they're not going to. It's just not going to get offered. Number two, the other characteristic that it's got to have is it's got to be computerized. Uh, it's something that they can click a, a couple of keystrokes and do. What happens at a self-directed IRA company, self-directed IRA companies do not collect a commission on the purchase of the real estate or the sale of the real estate or the management of the real estate. And we are willing to do that extra work because, you know, real estate by its very nature, every piece is an individual piece and takes a good deal of paperwork to, to track. So what are some of these? So you mentioned a few interesting things like farmland and, and you, even uh, intellectual property. What I mean, t- give, give me some other ideas here. I, actually, your your show, I think, is called or the webinar series is called the IRA Ideas Webinar Series. Yeah, the Ideas Webinars, yes. Well, we've had all kinds of people. We, we, we see uh, um, a significant, you know, we get things that are fairly conservative and things that are very risky. You're going to get that. Uh, and that's fine because... Uh, you, you, you know, our investors uh, tend to be people who are a little bit more sophisticated and, and understand where risk fits into their structure. Uh, and so we'll get everything from fairly conservative investments, uh, a good, solid real estate investments into a, you know, a, a cash-flowing apartment complex, very, very solid investment like that, uh, to very speculative investments we have had uh, – um, uh, we have a significant number of people who've invested in uh, business startups. Uh, they're, they're really fundamentally they're private placements. They're just not publicly traded stock. And we've had everything uh, in those from uh, a favorite of mine, which was a company that made a, a thermometer for children that uh, 
you uh, you sort of pointed a laser at their forehead, and it, it, it gave you their, their reading, so you didn't have to physically touch the child while they were sleeping or something like that. Uh, we've had uh, uh, we had a company on a while back that that uh, made LED lighting, and uh, we don't track it, but I was aware of the fact that none of our clients who listened to, to the that broadcast invested in that company that did the LED lighting, and I was fascinated by it, but they, they didn't. And, and I'm now kicking, want to kick my clients because uh, about six weeks ago, that company got a, an exclusive contract with Home Depot wow. to buy LED yeah. lighting. So this is a great um, opportunity here. Yeah, so, yeah. so you, get, you get all these startups, and some of them are very, very, very creative. Uh, uh, we have a client who owns... Um, uh, Water rights. This one always fascinated me. Uh, it's a it's a woman uh, lives in Alaska, and uh, the uh, and I wasn't aware of this, but apparently the state that borders the ocean, uh, you know, controls or has jurisdiction over the water out to a certain point, and then after that, it's it's you know the the country has jurisdiction, and then after that, you're into international waters. And uh, the state of Alaska, of course, has a lot of water around it, and uh, they they have it sectioned off and uh, grant fishing rights to people. Her IRA purchased fishing rights on a substantial portion of water, and then her IRA leases that to fishing companies, professional fishing companies, commercial fishing companies, I should say, that, that, you know, pay a royalty. So... I don't want to go on and on. What right. I want to say is that there are every possible investment that you can make could be in your IRA. People aren't aware of it. And let me give you one other statistic that is fascinating. Uh, you say, why don't most people know about it? Uh, you're right. Most people don't know about it. Uh, I can tell you that about just slightly, slightly, fractionally, over 2% of the IRAs in the country are self-directed IRAs. However, 10% of IRA money is in self-directed IRAs. In other words, self-directed IRAs are five times more successful than the typical IRA. Not surprised by that, given what's, uh, what normally goes into that, uh, your typical traditional IRA. You know, I, can, can I remind you one other thing? Uh, you know, our industry got, got you know, press at, at, during the president, last presidential election when Mitt Romney's IRA was talked about, if you'll recall, at I think it was $130 million. And, and, and that, was, that was just a simple self-directed IRA. Yeah, I always wondered how he got that. Um, as, you know, most people's IRA let them put above $5,000 per year, right? So, yeah. so he's well, like... Do you want to know how he got it? Yeah, what's that? How'd he get it? Do you want to know how he got it? How'd he get it? Oh, sure, okay. Well, it was, um... Uh, fundamentally, uh, you you make the you know there's no possible way to get enough money into an IRA by contributing. It's you know fifty five hundred dollars a year. It just it can't be done. It's it's actually far too low of a contribution that the government has you know got us you know locked into. But that aside, the way that money has to get into the IRA, in other words, at that point is you've got to make good investments. Uh, Mitt Romney, of course, uh, was able to make good investments because. He was fully aware of companies that were going to go public before they went public. Okay, interesting. And so 
his IRA purchased, you know, you know, pre-IPO stock. Right. And it, and because it, I guess that he didn't have any sort of insider trading issues with that. Yeah, there, there was no insider trading because actually uh, I, I, I don't have any accounts. <laughs> so I can't give you all the details. But, but I'm sure that, that uh, you know, there were a lot of stocks that, that were acquired in that IRA that, that never did go public. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, you, uh, and even the most insider insider on public offerings is wrong because frequently because there's a lot of stocks because I used to be you know kind of near that industry that that you know well this is going to go public and then something happens and it doesn't and um, so um, to, to switch the subject a little bit now you one of the things uh, you know looking at your webinar series and and uh, I should note that I, I did a webinar uh, for Dennis's IRA club for um, some of the things that I'm doing uh, last week mm-hmm. um, but. I was on. I, I stuck around for a little bit, and I, I looked at the uh, titles of the other things that were going on. And, and uh, one of the things that you were talking about was um, Roth IRA conversion. As long as we've got you here, you want to give uh, give me give us uh, you know your take on that. You know, the, the Roth conversion is uh, very very interesting, uh, and it's very underutilized. And the real reason it's underutilized is the same as the real reason we don't have more self-directed IRAs. Uh, there's no money in it for the big companies. Uh, it, it doesn't matter to Fidelity or to Schwab or to Merrill Lynch or Bank of America if they're holding your traditional IRA or if they're holding your Roth IRA. Most people, when they start an IRA, start a traditional. Uh, there's just no benefit for them to sit on the phone with you for too very long and explain a Roth IRA because they're going to make exactly the same number of dollars and they've got to go through the work of doing the conversion. So just nobody's going to talk about it. There's, there's no money in it. And so... So why should we do it, Dennis? Just, uh, you know, just uh, for anybody who doesn't really know. Exactly. Well, well, that's a very good point. Why should you do it? And you should do it for, for or should consider it for a couple of reasons. The two basic reasons are number one, the big, big one, is that if you have a Roth IRA, all the distributions, and we're all going to take distributions from our IRA at some point. That's why we have these things. All the distributions are tax-free for life, which is, uh, you know, it, it's hard to be an investment that's going to give you a return that's going to be tax-free for life. And all you've got to do to have a, a distribution that's tax-free for life is it's got to be a qualified distribution, definition of a qualified distribution for a Roth IRA is very simple. It's only two steps. One is the owner of the IRA has achieved the age of 59 and a half or greater. And number two, the IRA, the Roth IRA is five years or older. So in other words, you can't start a Roth IRA on Tuesday and then take the money out on, you know, the profits on Wednesday and say, oh, look, they're all tax-free. It does, there, there is a five-year clock. Uh, but that's it. Let's take a step back just for our listeners, because when I was, you know, I mean, even, um, let's say, five, six years ago or seven years ago, when I was a resident, I started here, a, a resident surgeon. I wasn't making any money to put away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started hearing about, you know, some of my fellow residents were doing this thing called Roth IRA. I said, well, what is that? Well, here's what we do is instead of, you know, we put money that's, that's, that's been taxed into this IRA and I don't get taxed on it later, uh, that opposed to the idea of, 
you know, uh, some people putting away $5,000 or $5,500 of pre-tax money so that they don't get taxed on that mm-hmm. and until they're in their 60s. So that wasn't a possibility uh, for anybody. Uh, the Roth IRA was not an option uh, for anybody making over a certain amount of money. Right, yeah. Wasn't that correct? It was 120000 or so. And, and, and it, it's still the rule. Matter of fact, I've got to look up what, what it is because it changes each year. I've got to look what, a, what it is for 2014. But, yes, if you earn too much money, you cannot contribute to an IRA. But in 2010, Congress changed the rule and said, yes, you still cannot contribute to a Roth IRA if you make over the limit. And, and well, let's ballpark it at $120,000. However, they got rid of or they took away the restriction on Roth conversions. And they said, well, anybody can do a Roth conversion. So it, it sort of left us with this very, very silly, I don't want to call it a loophole, I really just like that word, but this very silly reality of the way the code is written now that says, well, no, you can't make a Roth contribution, you can make a traditional contribution. However, turn right around after you've made the contribution, you can make a conversion, you can convert to a Roth. So a conversion is, you know, fairly sim- similar. You just simply contact your IRA company, tell them I want to. I've okay. got this traditional IRA. I'd like to convert all or part of it to a Roth IRA. Uh, they'll just say how much, and you'll tell them. And then you just pay. You just pay the taxes on, on the amount converted. On yeah. IRA. And so if somebody calls us, and, and it's not just us, you can call any IRA company that you have your account with, and just tell them. And uh, really, it's a matter of keystrokes to do it, uh, and uh, uh, the moment we make those keystrokes, uh, automatically uh, we send you a 1099 for the value of the conversion. Now, is there, uh, is the, uh, just getting a little bit more detail on this, when you, say for example, somebody, um, uh, somebody's been contributing to their IRA for 10 years, and when they started started doing it, they were making, you know, five figures and then the last the year they wanted to convert it they're in the different tax bracket now they're making a lot more money which uh is all of it taxed at the higher rate yeah everything happens at the tax rate at that time so okay so uh with an ira uh generally the sooner you do things you know the better off you are because because incomes go up hopefully well if you're if you're having a bad year uh, personally, uh, it might not be a bad time to do it because your tax rate will be uh, at a lower level, right? We had we had a lot of people. Yes, you're very right. We had a lot of people do Roth conversions the last couple of years when there were a lot of you know executives who were out of you know right. work or they're out of work. Job. They're not making any money, so they're not yeah. you know their taxes are pretty much nothing, right? So that that's, yeah. So if you're unemployed out there right now, uh, this is something you definitely want to think about doing. <laughs> well, it, it, well, you know what? I, let me, let me. You know, you 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 say that with kind of tongue in cheek. Well, no, I'm serious. I, I think it's yeah, a great it, idea. It, it, it's yeah. not tongue in cheek because let me tell you. You know, here we are. It, this is you know we're recording this towards the end of December or middle of December, and uh, uh, if you're thinking of a Roth conversion, January is a wonderful time to do a Roth conversion or February because the income tax that you're going to pay on that though, and that 1099 gets sent out to you, isn't due until. April 15th of the following year, and it gives you a full year to do tax planning. You know, can I 
defer some income into the following year? Can I hurry some income into this year? Uh, in the previous year, can I? Uh, uh, do I have medical expenses? Am I going to be? Am I considering a major uh, a charitable contribution? All those things are going to. You know, I've got a whole year to do that planning. Yeah, I think. No, I. I I said it kind of laughing, but I but I'm totally serious about. It. I think it's a great idea, um, and um, let me uh, again uh, ask you a little bit more about some other options here. Now, some people don't have IRAs, but they have 401ks. Now, is there anything we can do with that? Oh my! Uh, you, you, uh, here at our office, we do uh, only one kind of 401k. There's many many kinds. We only do one. Uh, we do a thing called a, a solo 401k. We have so very many clients who are uh, uh, individuals, you are, there's just them. It's, they own the company, they own their business, and they have no employees. And, you know, we, we see so much more of that today than we used to. Uh, uh, and that's everything from you know, attorneys. We see a lot of attorneys, a lot of CPAs who do that, a lot of computer programmers, my golly. Uh, Dennis, is that the same thing as a SEPs? No, it, it, there's similarities, but no, it's not really. It really is a 401k. And and do I know the real secret of of, of, of solo four one ks? Yeah, promise not to tell anyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when we sit down to write a four hundred one k for a client, oh, I, and I've not counted them up forty, fifty, or so, maybe more questions that we'll ask the client. We'll talk about, and we'll say, you know, uh, uh, and, and then there's parameters. Well. Uh, you can do all the way down to this or all the way up to that, and what do you want to do? Uh, and give you an example. Uh, gee, you know, you've got this company here. You've got uh, 35 employees, and that's very nice. And and uh, uh, you're going to set a 401k, and that's very nice. When do you want your client? When do you want your employees vested? Do you want them invested after they've been here a year, uh, or two years, or three years? And fundamentally, there's 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 uh, uh, differences of how that can be computed, but the way the parameters are written, uh, you could take anything from day one. You know, no, there is no vesting delay. I mean, the day the person starts, that money is, you know, theirs and they're vested, all the way out to six years. If you go out to six years, there's some stipulations uh, if you make a, uh, your employees wait that long. The, so, and then we go to the next topic, and and how much profit sharing do you want? And how much you know, do you want the uh, um, uh, 401k to permit borrowing? And if so, under what circumstances or restrictions? So we have this long, long list, and that every answer to every question uh, has set up parameters. And as long as we're in the parameters, we write up the plan with that way. That's how 401k is established. However, the solo 401k is a little different because there's only you. Uh, this person has, you know, you're a computer programmer, you are a graphic artist, you are uh, a medical doctor working, uh, but getting paid with 1099s uh, because you, you work with, you work, you know, that's how you, you, you're structured. And so when we sit down and write that, we really don't ask you very many questions at all because we make an assumption you're always going to take the most liberal answer. You know, what is the vesting period for my 401k if I'm the only employee? Zero. You know, <laughs> on day one, I'm vested. Uh, do we permit loans? Sure. What are the restrictions? There are no restrictions. 
um, and, and on and on. And so that's a solo 401k, and they're very they're very common. And then the what can it invest in? It can invest in you know things that are going to benefit the employees for their future. So here we are. We're back to all those investments. Do you want to invest in real estate? Or do you do you want to invest in mineral rights? Why well, we have a bunch of people with mineral rights? Uh, cattle breeding programs. Uh, we have <laughs> all types of things. Yeah. And this kind of program, I guess, the other advantage, uh, and this uh, I assume is. This is basically for business owners or people who are uh, have an entity. The the limits are substantially higher, right? So now instead of your fifty five, yeah, in two thousand fourteen, I can tell you uh, the maximum contribution in two thousand fourteen will be uh, fifty two thousand uh, dollars, unless you are age fifty and over, and then you're allowed what's called the catch up contribution. And the catch up contribution uh, will be fifty five hundred dollars. So. Uh, $5,500 on top of the $52,000, uh, you have a $57,500 maximum contribution. You have, to make, you have to make a certain amount uh, b- before you can uh, max out that. Max out, yeah. And, 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 and typically, and, and this is way oversimplification, way oversimplification, uh, it's 20% of earnings. Right, right. And there's no uh, there's no way to create so a Roth scenario for that solo 401k. But there is. There is. He said, yes, there is. Wow, okay. Uh, you, you, just, you just let us know that you, what you'd like to do, and, and, and we just put a paragraph in the plan. Um, the maximum amount of the Roth contribution in a solo 401k uh, is uh, you have to treat yourself as an employee. In other words, you have to pay yourself a paycheck uh, is, is one of the stipulations because employee, the only people who can get the Roth contribution are the employees. But when it's a solo 401k, oddly enough, uh, you wear two hats. You are both the employer and the employee at the same time. And so you can choose to treat yourself like an employee for that purpose. And treating yourself like an employee simply means you you write yourself a paycheck and you issue yourself a W-2. Very, very common. You know? mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there are many people listening to your, you know, your blog that, that, that you know, own their own business and take a paycheck. That's that's all this is. And so, uh, uh, as the employee, an employee is allowed to make a Roth 401k contribution. That uh, maximum contribution for 2014 will be up to 100% of earned income, not to exceed $17,500. So, if you had a business uh, and chose to pay yourself and you're chosen, choosing to pay yourself more than $17,500, that amount could go into that 401k as a Roth. Right. So you could, in theory, say even if you if you draw the rest of your money but have yourself uh, on a uh, W-2 for, you know, $17,000, $18,000, basically put all that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and and so now instead of maxing yourself out at fifty five hundred, you've got eighteen thousand. Well, you actually, you max yourself. It would be uh, the uh, the max total is fifty two thousand dollars. Again, we're for the moment right. under age fifty, so uh, you're not allowed to, to double dip. And so right. what they're saying is, okay, well, uh, he's got a maximum of seventeen. Uh, pardon me, of fifty two thousand. Uh, he did use up seventeen thousand five hundred on this 
you know, by calling himself an employee. But the balance you could still put in as profit sharing for the employer. Sure. sure. So yeah, so lots of opportunities there, and um, gosh, it, it it still amazes me that uh, that this isn't something that's more mainstream at this point. But I guess you know, let's not blame the government. But I guess the banks are very powerful, and they're, they'll make you uh, make it seem like this is really their only option, right? Because they have no reason to tell you about what else is out there. I think the other thing that's really um, I I think that investing in in these types of um, opportunities is advantageous for investors for another reason, personally. And that is that the majority of them, the person who's actually offering that investment has skin in the game. So mm-hmm. you've got these people out there who are entrepreneurs, uh, business, uh, starting up businesses. You've got people who are doing real estate syndications, something that I've, you know, I've actually presented through you too. Uh, and, Every pretty much everybody who has something to offer for investments has a substantial amount of money invested in that themselves, and I think it makes a big difference. I mean, if you look at what happened with uh, Chase recently, uh, with uh, you know packaging up all those lousy mortgages and selling them off to people, I'm sure knowing what they did, that none of them bought them themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is, um, I think this is a very smart way to go, and and it's funny that we call it alternative when uh, there's, you it know, should be mainstream, yeah, yeah, it should be mainstream, and brick and mortar is about, <laughs> there's not much older than brick and mortar when it comes to uh, assets. So yeah, and, and 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 I'm glad you said that. You know, we talk about all these, you know, I don't want to call them the alternate, the more exotics, but because there's nothing exotic about, you know intellectual property and oil and gas and cattle breeding and cattle feeding and, and, and all that. But far and away, of all the assets that are in self-directed IRAs, the most common is brick and mortar. Yeah. Now, one other thing to mention is that we've, we've been focusing on uh, approaching this from the investor end. But there's uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, people who are interested in, in uh, the things that I talk about are small business people, entrepreneurs, real estate investors themselves. So there's a great opportunity also to potentially get yourself in front of people. And if, if they uh, want to do that, how, how would they go about doing that, Dennis? Sure. You know, we, we do have uh, our clientele uh, and our prospects uh, Call us up and they say, gee, what can we invest in? You know, uh, and, and, we, and we get that phone call and we're not allowed to say that. That's, that's one thing we have to, you know, at that point we have to just be quiet. If you're a self-directed IRA company, you're not involved in the investment or giving investment advice, etc. And so, uh, you know, we can't answer that question. And it's, uh, it's so... So we're kind of stuck, and then we get people who do contact us who say, you know, I've got this investment opportunity. I want to tell you, you know, send me the people that you have that should be interested in it. And we say, well, we can't do that either. However, we can create a situation where the two of you can sort of conveniently bump into each other. <laughs> I, I don't know what else right. to say. But uh, it's called IRA Ideas. We do it uh, we used to do it once a month. We're going to probably start doing it a little bit more, a little bit more now, uh, just because of the, of the you know requests for it. And uh, we're very, very happy to have you uh, contact us. We'll set a time. Uh, we'll let our uh, mail list know that uh, you know what the topic is going to be, and 
those that are interested will tune in. Uh, and uh, uh, to be very frank, you know, I, it's probably about a 30, 35-minute presentation of which I do the first five or ten minutes about, you know, what our role is. Uh, then uh, I literally do turn off my microphone. I mean, I don't just want to sound silly. I, I don't even sit quietly. I literally turn off the microphone so that I don't interrupt anybody. Let, you know, the business person tell the story that they want people to hear about their, their opportunity. And uh, then we close with me saying, please contact that person directly because we don't have information about the investment. That person has all the information about the investment. Please contact them. And thank you very much. So we're always happy to, to expose you uh, to uh, people who are interested investors. We're always happy to expose interested investors to opportunities. How do we, uh, is, uh, can you give us a website or, and maybe a phone number or something so people can sure. get in touch? Yeah, sure. Well, the website is iraclub.org, iraclub.org. And uh, uh, that'll just really give you a lot of information about different kinds of IRAs and people who use them for real estate and people who use them for tax liens and people who use them for whatever else they might use them for. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, presenting your idea, just call us up. It's, my name is Dennis Blitz. Our phone number is toll-free, 888-795-7950. That's, uh, that's great, Dennis. And, uh, you know, I'm... Uh... I'm really excited. I obviously I've been a presenter now, but I'm also planning to do a little conversion with you, uh, uh, probably after, in January. January is a good time, right? So, thank you for coming into the show, and um, it was great talking to you. And hopefully, we can have you again sometime. Anytime, I really enjoyed it. Nice talking with All you. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, nice talking to you, Dennis. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.